In a world full of lies and deception, it takes courage to speak truth. In a nation half-bent on its own destruction, it takes honor to seek a return to glory. Join us in Cutting Through the Lies and Propaganda. It's time for Cutting Through the Chaos on the America Out Loud Network. Here is your host, Wallace Garneau. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cutting Through the Chaos on the America Out Loud Network. I'm your host, Wallace Garneau, and we've got a lot to talk about today, so I'm going to kind of cut right into it. The main story today, I want to talk about a show that was put on MSNBC, a topic that's about more than just what was put on MSNBC, and I'm going to expand well beyond what MSNBC did. This has been on Slate. It's been all over the place. Uh, basically, what I want to talk about is how racism is going to play a major factor. It is already playing a major factor in the 2024 election. Uh, that's going to get tied into uh, right at the end of our News Not in the News segment. Uh, after we talk about that, which again will tie into the first segment, News Not in the News, uh, I want to talk about a couple of very important interviews that have been on the Tucker Carlson Network recently. Uh, one with Vladimir Putin and another one with of all people, Alex Jones. So I want to talk about that. Uh, important subjects. Before we do, uh, we always start with a segment called News Not in the News, which is a combination of news stories that were not reported in the news, along with things that were, let's say, misreported in the news, that the news may have gone over, but uh, to put it nicely, the, the news got it wrong. Essentially, it was misinformation, or, or you might call it malnews. Things that the media reported that, uh, purely for propaganda effect, it was not really a news story, and yet there it is. Matter of fact, a lot of the things on here are not going to be news that was not reported. Some of them will be. A lot of the things in our news, not the news segment today, are going to be things that the news reported, but you'll understand why it's absolute crap when you hear it. Uh, the first one, Portland Public Schools and put policies in place to treat students differently by race and gender identity. Uh, this relates to a lot of things such as the standards under which disciplinary actions will be meted out. And they did that particular one because what they found is that African-American students tended to act out more in school than did white students. So what they decided to do is instead of metering out punishment or enforcement uh, for acting out in school, uh, what they decided to do is they decided to have different standards for different races of students so that they could try to have more equal representation among those who were punished. So things that one race might do that they do not get punished for, another race they would throw the book at them for. And then gender identity, they had different rules. Basically what they're doing is they're segregating their school population to different groups based upon gender identity and based upon race and having completely different sets of rules for each of those. That's the Portland Public Schools. Those are right now officially their policies. The next one I want to talk about, Fannie Willis, Nathan Wade, her boyfriend, and a New York Times article saying that the case against Donald Trump that Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade were working on is now completely, it's, it hasn't been thrown out yet, but it's now completely unenforceable. Uh, what happened here is that Nathan Wade gave testimony in the case in which they're looking at conflict of interest and they're looking at you know ethical behavior by the prosecutor and by the DA. Uh, what they found is that not only are they having a relationship, but that Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade lied to court about when that relationship started. They said in court that it started only after the case started, that she hired him in to prosecute Trump and they became romantically inclined after the fact. 
Well, it turns out they've been romantically inclined for years. Not only that, but according to the testimony from Nathan Wade, they've been traveling together, and uh, he's been paying for it on the company credit card, the business, the card he has as a, an employee of the government. He's been paying for the trips with that for romantic relationship. You know, uh, evenings out, uh, cabin trips out, you know, camping, and all kinds of other things. He even said that in order to not be identified, they travel to another state for lunch, and it's all paid for in his company card. Now, he claimed that she pays him back, but that when she pays him back, it's in cash and there's no record of it. Obviously, probably not true. The New York Times ran an article on this, not talking about how, because of this, the case against Donald Trump is no longer prosecutable. Should have been anyway. It was a garbage case. But it's it's not... The Times article didn't want to talk about how the court case is being thrown out. They want to talk about how Fannie Willis is only being hit for this because she's black. That if she were a white person that were doing all these criminal things, that she wouldn't be prosecuted. And, well, if she were Biden, Joe Biden, she probably wouldn't be. Uh, or Hunter Biden, maybe I should say. She probably wouldn't be. But certainly if she were Donald Trump, they would be throwing the absolute book at her. So, you know, the idea that she's being hit because of race is, is absolute garbage. It's just, it's just not true. What is true is that the media would much rather go after, not just the media, the government would much rather go after people for political reasons than anything else. And you know, normally Fannie Willis being a Democrat, a liberal prosecutor, normally they'd want to leave her alone and protect her. But the things with her relationship with Nathan Wade are just so far over the edge that, that they can't do that. Another news story that is not the news. Uh, Elon Musk is moving his SpaceX headquarters from Delaware to Texas. Not just that, but he's telling all other businesses in Delaware, guys, you better get out of here because they're coming for you. They're going to tax the crap out of you. They're going to regulate the crap out of you. If you want to be in business, don't be in, in Delaware. Move to someplace like Texas where they actually want businesses. Delaware apparently does not. Uh, how true that is, Elon Musk, bright guy, if he's saying that Delaware is no longer a place you want to do business, I have to assume that's true. So I guess uh, based on Elon Musk, write Delaware off. It is uh, no longer a place where you really want to run a business. If you have a business in Delaware, Elon Musk's advice to you is get out of Delaware. Uh, Joe Biden signed an executive order making it illegal for ICE to send Palestinian refugees out of the country to deport Palestinian refugees. Apparently a fair number of Palestinian refugees have been held by ICE awaiting deportation. Well, Joe Biden has now signed an executive order saying that they cannot be sent back. They'd be released into the country, and he is putting a moratorium and sending any Palestinians back, with a possible exceptions if they commit a felony, uh, of deporting them for at least 18 months. This goes right alongside Joe Biden making an executive order telling ICE to release about 10,000 illegals that are held by ICE other than Palestinians, and also ordering ICE to reduce their capacity for holding people by 16,000 down to about 22,000 people total. And uh, this is Joe Biden following through on a threat where he told Congress, unless you pass this so-called bipartisan border bill that had one Republican on board, and that one Republican did a terrible job negotiating. Unless you pass it, I'm going to essentially tell ICE to stand down and we're just going to stop deporting people. Anybody have, we're going to release and we're going to make things even worse. Uh, he threatened to do it. Well, now he's followed through, told ICE to release thousands of illegals into the country 
and to reduce their ability to hold people permanently by 16,000 so that uh, they're going to be standing down even more than they were before as a punishment to Republicans for not giving him a border security bill uh, that focused not on the security of the border, but on the security of the people illegally crossing it. It would have made it legal, for example, it would have made it illegal, for example, to count the first 5,000 people that cross the border illegally every day. So 5,001, maybe you start counting them, but 5,000 illegals would cross illegally every day and nobody would even count them. So it was, it was a crazy border bill. The Republicans were rightfully shot it down. And now Joe Biden is violating more federal laws in order to punish Republicans for not passing his stupid border bill that was not about border security, but about the security of people illegally crossing it. Another story. Let's talk about Robert Hur. We all knew Robert Hur was. He was a special prosecutor that said that Joe Biden willfully retained and disclosed classified materials, but that we cannot prosecute him because he's such a dim-witted, senile old man. He doesn't remember anything. Uh, he couldn't. Uh, he couldn't remember when his son Bo died. Couldn't remember. Just completely shot this guy's memory apart and it, it essentially called him an empty husk of, bra- of of dead brain cells. And uh, well, Joe Biden shot back and just just ripped into Robert Hur for breaking up Bo Biden's death. Other Democrats stepped in. Uh, there are actually Democrats in Congress talking about how they need to have a Robert Hur investigation so that we can investigate the investigators to get an investigation into investigating what the investigators were investigating. Some crazy thing. It sounds like a tongue twister, I know. But that's what, what some Democrats were saying, is that Robert Hur was so far over the edge that we need to investigate the investigator and possibly throw him in prison for investigating Joe Biden at the behest of Joe Biden's Department of Justice. Uh, And the funny thing there is Joe Biden will tell anybody who wants to listen, hey, I'm not getting prosecuted. This guy said it's not prosecutable. And then rip into him for the reasons why he's not going to prosecute. So you can't make this stuff up, folks. But anyway, so Joe Biden ripped into him about bringing up Bo's death and, you know, how dare you bring up my son's death. Uh, Apparently, Joe Biden remembered at the time of the press conference which son they were talking about. But anyway, it turns out that Robert Hur did not bring up Bo's death. Joe Biden did in an attempt to make Robert Hur sympathetic to him. But when he brought up his son's death, he couldn't remember what had happened. So crazy things. He also couldn't remember when he was vice president. He couldn't remember when he was a senator. I remember on the campaign trail in 2020, sometimes he would talk about how he's running for the Senate. This guy's brain's dead and everybody knows it. And, and yet he's upset about it. And anyway, news, not the news. Uh, Joe Biden ripped into him, but it turns out that Biden was the one who brought up his son's death and then they couldn't remember when it happened. Uh, next story, the Biden administration is spending $1 million on studies to try to disprove the biological fact that there are two genders. Now, this comes right out of stuff that uh, Goebbels had the SS doing, not Goebbels, I'm sorry, that Heinrich Himmler had the SS doing in World War II with a group of so-called scientists, and I say so-called, they actually did have scientific credentials, but what they were doing was not science. They were called the honor bee, and I'm not German, so please, you know, if my pronunciation of that is wrong, don't, don't slaughter me for it. But uh, their job was to prove that the Aryan race was superior to other races and various other bullshit claims of the Nazi party of Germany. And since they were starting with 
the uh, foregone conclusion and then trying to, quote, use science, unquote, to prove those foregone conclusions, there was nothing scientific about it. Science is about having an hypothesis and seeing what the evidence says. If the evidence supports the hypothesis, continue. If the evidence does not, then you either change or throw out the hypothesis, move on and do something else. No, try to prove maybe now a new hypothesis. So if the Otterby had been real scientists, they would have said, I hypothesize that the Aryan race is superior. They would have run tests. Saw how Jesse Owens did the Olympics and said, well, obviously they don't run like Jesse Owens. So at point is they would have disproven that the Aryan race is superior or that any race is superior, and that would have been the end of that. But no, they weren't allowed to disprove it. It was a foregone conclusion, and it wasn't science. Well, nor is what Joe Biden is doing, trying to disprove that there are two genders. There are, of course, two genders. And uh, a very small number of people who are born with aspects of both genders in terms of genitalia and, and very difficult decisions, in some cases, that parents have to make. Uh, but those are like one in a million. I mean, it's a very, very rare case, and that's certainly not the norm. So to pretend that there are not two genders is asinine. And I don't spending money now to try to prove something that we know is not true. Uh, that's the kind of thing going. You know, we don't have science in this country anymore. The scientific method is dead. Nobody, it's, 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 it's dead. What we have now are people that are coming up with, with political statements and then utilizing the cloak of science and saying, this must be true. And we see that like with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah, we're now going to start moving toward our first segment. We see that with people like Neil deGrasse Tyson when he's asked, uh, what is a woman? And he responds with, in a couple of interviews, he's done this. One with... Uh, Bill Maher, and then, then a couple of others on top of that, he's been asked, you know, what is a woman? His response is, well, I guess if you asked me that, I would respond by asking you, what is the intent of the question? What is your motivation in asking me this question? And it's like, wait a minute, you're a scientist. Isn't the motivation in a scientist answering a question to find the correct answer to that question? What kind of a scientist would ask, what is the motivation behind a question? Like, what is the scientific definition of the word woman? So, you know, these people are so far outside of the realm of science. Yes, Neil deGrasse Tyson is qualified to call himself a scientist. But when he says, what is the motivation? He's not acting as a scientist. And in fact, you will very rarely see Neil deGrasse Tyson acting as a scientist or many scientists actually acting as a scientist. They take off the scientist hat, they throw it in the dumpster along with the rest of Joe Biden's dumpster fire, they put on a politician hat, and they pretend to be acting as a scientist when they are, in fact, saying things that are not scientific and giving out purely propagandistic political garbage. Which gets us into the last story, news that is not the news, and also the start of our first segment, uh, MSNBC ran a special or a show called Black Men in America, The Road to 2024. This had people on it such as Al Sharpton, Tryman Lee, uh, Charles Coleman, and Ben Crump. They were talking about how Ben Crump was the primary person talking. They were talking about how white people in big cities around America, and not just in cities, but in America, period, are passing laws targeting black people. So things that black people do, they will they will pass a law making that illegal and then go up and round up the black people that are doing that. And, and by doing this, the actual usage of law, the actual justice system is, is anti-black. Now, they, they use some examples of this. For example, uh, 
the the gentleman that was uh, killed in an altercation with police over trying to sell cigarettes one at a time outside of a outside of a liquor store. Um, of course, they they don't mention the fact that that it was a legitimate law that was. You know, the crazy thing about this. Nobody's arrested for trying to sell cigarettes. Nobody's arrest. Nobody's killed, rather, for trying to sell cigarettes. Nobody's killed. You know, the reason people are killed is because uh, they're violating the law. Somebody will call the police. The police will show up, and then the person resists arrest. And it's over and over and over again. And the other crazy thing is, you know, they have polls where they ask people, "How many people do you think the police kill? How many unarmed black men?" Do you think the police kill every year? And they'll give them answers like, do you think it's over 1,000? Do you think it's between 1,000 and 10,000? Do you think it's over 10,000? Turns out the majority of people who call themselves socially liberal believe that more than 10,000 unarmed African-American men are killed by the police every year. And even when you get into Republicans, it's still over 100 that they think are killed by the police every year. So the majority of Americans think that over 100 unarmed black men, and if you know, liberals think it's over 10,000 unarmed black men, are killed by the police every year. If that were the case, I would be absolutely beside myself. You know, I, I'd want to take some police out for that, because I mean, you know, that's like KKK stuff, you know, going out and hunting African-American men in the street. Can't have that. Well, the actual number is seven. So, you know, we're, we're, we're attacking a problem that doesn't really exist. The police actually kill more unarmed white people than they do black people every year, and, uh, you know, these numbers vary, but the average run on black men is only seven. And that's a ridiculously low number when you consider the number of altercations that the police have with unarmed black men and white men and everybody else. Now, the, the bottom line is, when it gets to a point where the police are going to arrest you, getting arrested is not optional. It doesn't matter if you're selling onesie cigarettes. It doesn't matter if you're trying to, 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 to buy drugs from a drug dealer or that you swallow a bunch of fentanyl in order to prevent the police from finding with fentanyl. It doesn't matter. Don't break the law. If you do break the law, or if the police approach you and you didn't, no, you get to defend yourself in court. You're innocent until proven guilty. In today's world, all they don't even they don't even give you bail in most places, most big cities. They just release you back out of the street with a court hearing. If you're not guilty, show up and, and with, a, with an attorney and, and, and prove that in court. You know, let's let's stop having all of this all of this garbage though about. Uh, about everything is racist and the laws are racist and they're writing laws. You know, these laws are being written in big cities that in most cases are run by African-Americans. You know, you go to New York, for example, you go to Detroit, you go to Chicago, and, and the vast majority, you know, in many of these cases, the police commissioner is African-American. You know, the head of the, the chief of police is African-American. In many of these cases, the vast majority of people on the city council are African-American. The mayor is African-American. So, you know, the argument that African-American legislatures and African-American mayors are passing laws to target African-Americans so that African-American police can hunt them down in the streets, you know, you would think that people would look at that and see on its face that it's not true. And even where they're not African-Americans that are passing the laws, they are white liberal Democrats that believe all the George Floyd nonsense, that, that believe all the hands up, don't shoot nonsense, all these things that have been proven false. And, uh, you know, the, the great thing about this, this, this show, and I'll actually play you a clip from it in a bit, the great thing about this show is that when you listen to it, you can hear them playing pool because they're chatting around a pool table while they're they're playing pool. And the great thing there is, of course, pool is well known for people that are hustlers. 
that that hustle and pull. You know, there've been movies, the the Color of Money, or uh, uh, the what was the the prequel to that, The Hustler, with Jackie Gleason, and you know, great movies about hustling people in pool. So here they are playing pool while race hustling. You you couldn't write a better script than to have hustlers hustling on pool while while race hustling to the public, and you know this is what the Democrats do. This is what the Democrat Party has reduced itself to. There was an article in the news, again, news not in the news, uh, but now we're in our segment, but there was an article about how because of Joe Biden, an executive order Joe Biden made that the next census survey, it will be illegal to separate people by legal and non-legal status, such that we will be counting illegal aliens when we look at the number of members of the House of Representatives different states and different areas get, we're going to have 22 seats, effectively 22 seats in the House of Representatives that will effectively be representing illegal aliens. So there'll be more in those areas that have illegal aliens. Uh, and, and you know, that's going to skew our legislature. And it's going to skew not only that, but when you think of the electoral college system, that essentially gives whoever illegal aliens would vote for if they were allowed to vote, that gives them essentially, you know, 22 seats or 22 votes in the Electoral College. So when you look at, for example, Joe Biden's opened the border. We're having millions of people cross the border at this moment a month. In December, there could have been as many as 3 million. They had 300,000 apprehensions. And it, we're having, if you've been watching the news, uh, they're, they're having tens of thousands of terrorists crossing the border over time, of, of Hezbollah and Hamas terrorists. They're having tens of thousands of Chinese nationals, men of military age, crossing the border. Nobody knows what they're doing, what they're here for. When you when you approach them on the other side of the border, they don't talk to you, the, the Chinese nationals. That is, you know, we're, we're seeing things at our border that are absolute asinine. And the, the thing is, is that the Joe Biden administration has turned our border agents and has turned ICE into little more than a travel agency where they move them around the country. And here's what I want you to know. They're not moving them around the country randomly. They are moving them around the country specifically to take advantage of areas where illegal aliens are allowed to vote in local elections. And then they give them ballots that have the general election also and they're moving them around, and they're doing that particularly if they can in swing states or in red states that they think they can make blue states where they think they can actually flip a state through through having these people vote, even though it's illegal. You know, if, for example, they let them vote in Austin, well, let's move a whole bunch of illegals to Austin and give them all ballots that have the presidency in it and that have the senators and you know, everything on it, and, and we'll encourage them to vote and see if we can't get them to vote Democrat. And the asinine thing here is a lot of them, I think, are going to vote Republican because uh, they're primarily Catholic, they're anti-abortion. You know, they're, they're just, they're coming for opportunity other than the Chinese nationals that we don't know why they're coming. The vast majority of other migrants are coming for opportunity. And these are people that are natural Republicans. So it's, it's kind of silly that Democrats think that they're going to vote Democrat. But, you know, as long as they're illegal, maybe they will. Statistically, their children will not. Uh, polls indicate that Trump is going to win the Hispanic vote in this next election and get better than the 20, maybe as much as 30% of the African-American vote. Uh, those two things happen. Democrats have a, a very big uphill battle. Uh, but what Democrats are doing is what they've been doing for decades. Now, it used to be Democrats were the anti-African-American party, the party of KKK, 
the Democrat Party was actually formed to promote slavery and try to expand it to other states. The Republican Party to oppose slavery and to oppose the expansion of slavery into other states. The Civil War, and it was effectively fought between the Democrat and Republican parties, with the Republican Party winning and then eliminating slavery at the end of the war. So, you know, the parties, if, if that's what they were founded on. Well, the Democrats at some point after 1964 flipped and it began to become the party of taking oppressed groups and turning them against the majority and claiming that the majority is oppressing them and that the government, the majority through government is oppressing them. And that we have to do is get all of these oppressed groups together to vote against the majority. And then by making the majority a minority, by making by making white people, for example, a plurality rather than a majority, by getting women to vote against men, by getting gay people to vote against straight people, by getting fat people to vote against skinny people, by slicing society up into ever smaller segments, each one of which can be said to be oppressed by the whole, what they think they can do is they can take all of these oppressed groups, apply all of their anger and hatred at the majority, and then overthrow the majority and have a radical, radical, radical revolution where we make all kinds of crazy changes to how our government works and how our society functions, to what kind of laws we have. You know, you look at Europe, they're eliminating the use of fertilizers and they're making a ton of, of their farmland, up to half their farmland fallow. And, and you know, the, the ramification of this is going to be about a 90% reduction in agricultural output. Well, they want those kinds of policies here. When people talk about, is Joe Biden really the president of the United States? Well, yes, he really is the president of the United States. Does that mean that Joe Biden is calling the shots of the United States? No, it doesn't mean he's calling the shots of the United States. It just means that he's the figurehead wearing the mantle. And and uh, is he in the Oval Office? Well, apparently he actually does most of his interviews from, or most of his speeches from uh, across the street from the Oval Office. They've, they've set up a TV studio that looks like the Oval Office. So, you know, who knows? Point is, he's a figurehead. There are other people that are actually calling the shots. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at what's going on in Canada, to look at what's going on in Europe, to look at what's going on in Australia, to look at what's going on throughout the Western world, where these, these ridiculous liberal leftist policies are taking a hold everywhere. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that the people calling the shots are globalists. They're not in favor of America. You know, they, they're not in favor, certainly, of the Second Amendment. They want to go after the Second Amendment. And, and what they're doing is they're, they're taking all of this and they're spitting all of this. And they're saying, you know, the biggest terrorist threat we have are, are radical right-wing militias, radical right-wing terrorists, the mega movement. Uh, white supremacist groups. You know, what they're doing is they're trying to take everybody who has any reason to feel oppressed, and they're trying to say, here is the enemy. Here is the group that is oppressing you. Turn your anger on them. Let's take away their guns. Let's take away their rights. Let's take away their vote. Let's take away their money. And then we will build you a society in which you are not oppressed by them, you give us the power, uh, by us I mean the government, you give us the power and we will oppress your oppressors and we will build a society where everybody has equity and everybody has equal outcomes. We'll give you food. We'll give you water. We won't grow the food, but somehow we're going to give it to you anyway. We'll give you housing. We'll give you clothing. We'll give you education. We'll give you all this free stuff. 
And the only reason we can't do it is because those dirty Republicans, those dirty megas, those dirty uh, white supremacists, those 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 dirty gun-towing, God-fearing, you know, just turn all your anger at them and we can fix the country. And they think that they're going to build a majority by doing this. And it's just it's it's just not true. But anyway, I'm going to show you this. I'm going to play you this clip now from this TV show, Black Men in America, The Road to 2024. And uh, and so here's that. We can get rid of all the crime in America overnight, just like that. And people ask how Attorney Crump changed the definition of crime. Mm. Of course. If, if you get to define what conduct is going to be made criminal, you can predict who the criminal is going to be. I mean, it sounds yeah. like we're criminal, though. Yeah. Our existence no, is the culture. criminal. They, made, no, no, the laws they made the law to criminalize our culture, to fit us. black culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so when I think of Eric Garner, I always think of stuff like that. Lucy cigarettes. I did nothing. We sitting here the whole time. Why did I miss this? We told you. You about to do what? Who got some cigarettes? Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Guy lost his life. Yeah, and then George Floyd was trying to buy cigarettes and so forth. So you have to think about the profile and things that they come up with the profilers for pretextual reasons. And it happens every day, Al. They will come and say, you can't wear baggy pants. Right. Mm-hmm. Make that a crime. Right. You yep. can't have milk cartons in your yard. Right. Make that a crime. Right. Now, milk cartons in your yard might actually be illegal somewhere. Certainly, I'm sure it's against some, uh, some housing association bylaw somewhere. But illegal to, what was the other thing that he said? This stuff is asinine. You know, it's not illegal to do these things. It's not illegal to be black. Nobody wants it to be. It's it's a boogeyman that they think they can turn into a big election victory. And that's going to bring us about to our break. As we get into the break, I want to talk about a product that my wife and I have started having. It's called Heal Right. They're daily micronutrient bars uh, designed to simplify your daily regimen. Evidence-based results it supports a healthy metabolism for optimal gut performance, 20-plus essential vitamins and minerals, and proprietary fiber blend. Uh, you get 14 servings in a box. They've got some absolutely amazing flavors. Uh, my wife today had the lemon blueberry flavor. I had the chocolate cherry pomegranate flavor. Now, does it reduce your gut? I don't know. I guess we're going to find out together, you and I. Uh, my wife and I continue to take these over time. I believe that they will have that effect. Uh, but be honest with you, I just took the first one today, so I can't tell you with any, I, I can't tell you whether or not it's going to work for me. What I can tell you is that usually when you have a health bar like this, it's got that kind of chalky health bar flavor. It doesn't taste good. Now, my wife had the lemon blueberry one. I can't tell you what it tastes like, but she thought it was amazing. I can tell you the chocolate cherry pomegranate one. It was good. It tasted it was very, very flavorful. I loved it. Uh, we're going to continue to take these things. I will let you know how it goes. They've got a caramel apple fig one. They've got a bunch of different flavors. Whatever you might like in a snack, you eat one of these a day. And uh, it, 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 optimal gut performance, I have to think that the beer gut that I developed over my mid-40s up into my early 50s, I have to think that along with diet, you know, I've, I've been working out anyway. I still haven't gotten rid of the beer gut. So the hope is continue doing some weightlifting, Continue doing some cardiovascular. Just add the Heal Right health bars. And uh, my belief is that these micronutrient bars are going to absolutely make a difference in my life. 
And, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll keep taking it over time, and, uh, and I'll let you know how it goes. So we're going to take a quick break now, and then we will get on with the second segment of our show where we will talk about a couple of Tucker Carlson interviews. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Spike proteins help viruses enter into your cells, disrupting your health and your well-being. Global Healing's Foreign Protein Cleanse detoxes your body of spike proteins, which allows your body to repair from within, supporting your immune and respiratory systems and regulating your inflammatory response. Formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, Foreign Protein Cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global Healing giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. ASEA believes that inside each of us is the potential to feel our very best. Our redox-based products tap into reserves within you to power your personal well-being. Make our breakthrough products an essential step in fulfilling your greatest potential. ASEA, we power potential. For exclusive savings, use code OUTLOUD to save 15% off your first order today. Who's got time for a nasal invasion messing up your lifestyle? Crush those nasties before they become a problem. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order with the coupon code OUTLOUD, you'll receive 20% off the entire purchase. Go to americaoutloud.shop. That's americaoutloud.shop and use coupon code OUTLOUD. Use Cofix RX because it works. Expert opinions, honest debate, and in-depth investigations are what you've come to expect from AmericaOutloud.news. We don't shy away from speaking the truth boldly and plainly. All that's missing is the propaganda that has infected legacy and social media. Get the best of down and dirty, wholesome American speak. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Cutting Through the Chaos on the America Out Loud Network. I'm your host, Wallace Garneau, and I want to talk now about a couple of recent interviews that Tucker Carlson has done. And I want to talk a little bit about Tucker Carlson. I was not a big fan of Tucker Carlson on Fox News, and I was not a big fan of Tucker Carlson before he was on Fox News. To be honest with you, my impression of Tucker Carlson over the years uh, has largely been low, partially because he laughs at his own jokes, which I think is a mistake, and he has a hideous, it's its not a laugh, uh, I think he's got the only cackle on, on TV that's worse than Kamala Harris, uh, and I just... You know, every time I hear it, it, it makes my skin crawl, particularly when he's laughing at his own jokes. Uh, but also, he's bounced around. He's worked for just about every major TV news organization out there. He's been fired by all of them. And when you find it that easy to go from ultra-liberal to ultra-conservative, you know, to, to a certain degree, you know, 
you have to question the authenticity of the guy. But since he started doing his network on his own, away from Fox News, Tucker, if you're listening, you know, drop the cackle, please. But uh, other than that, you know, I, I got to tell you, my opinion of Tucker Carlson has completely changed. I now think Tucker Carlson is the most important interviewer, the most important journalist in America today because he's doing things, maybe in the world today, because he's interviewing people that nobody else will touch with a 10-foot pole. He's talking about things that nobody wants to talk about, and he's got an audience. You know, this guy actually had more people watch his Putin interview, and it was over two hours. It was a long interview. More people watched that Putin interview than watched the Super Bowl. So this guy's got Joe Rogan, I think, called it out. Joe Rogan, of course, has a network. number of people that watch him is about 20 million an episode, which just blows CNN or, or any other cable news network away. Far more people are watching Joe Rogan and listening to Joe Rogan than CNN or Fox or MSNBC or probably all three of those combined. And he said, you know, Tucker's going to blow me out of the water. And, and, and Tucker's done that. Tucker Carlson, 200 million people watched that Putin interview. And, you know, cheers to Tucker Carlson because this is important stuff that, that nobody, else wants to, nobody else wants to go there. Now, I think he gave Putin a little bit of a softball interview, to be honest with you. But I also think getting Putin on record required a probably, I'm sure there was a lot of back and forth and what was allowed and what was not. And it was not entirely a softball interview. He just gave Putin a lot of a lot of leeway. Uh, he let Putin talk a lot. Uh, Putin, for example, gave a lot of history about the Soviet Union, about Russia, and it, why Russia views the world the way that it does. Uh, I think Putin gave a very accurate interview, actually. I don't think that he lied, or if he lied, it wasn't very much or very serious. Certainly, it was uh, given from the perspective of Russia, and it was given from Putin's perspective in terms of him being the good guy and, and the West being the bad guy, us being the bad guy, and, and you know defending his choices in Ukraine. Uh, but at the same time, uh, Putin talked about peace, and he didn't talk about peace. He didn't say he had to keep the Donbass region. He didn't say that he had to keep the Crimean Peninsula. And if you've been listening to me on the network, I've been saying that the Crimean Peninsula is a... Is a to me, I think that that's a hill he's willing to die on. And, and that's true because Russia does not have a lot of cold water ports or ports that are open year round. But the ports on the Crimean into the Baltic are. So that's not something you would expect him to give up lightly. But he was talking like he's willing to give all that up for, for some, relatively, uh, some relatively minor concessions from, uh, from Ukraine and, and, and from the West in terms of uh, I know some guarantees for the people of Donbass regions and in other regions of Russia uh, that are, are largely Russian, of Russia, excuse me, of Ukraine, that are largely Russian, and uh, some some other things in terms of Ukraine not joining NATO, NATO ending its its, its expansion around Russia. Uh, it sounded like he would like to warm up the relations with the United States. And, and uh, you know, the, the, the crazy thing there, we keep hearing what kind of an evil madman sinister Hitler and kind of just just all these terrible things about Putin and in and, and the interview, uh, he didn't necessarily come across that way. Now, a lot of his histories, I thought, were, were largely slanted, like when he talks about how Ukraine did not exist as an, how it was really always part of Russia. Well, that's not really true. 
the, the, the Russians, for example, the Soviets, for example, when they took Ukraine over after World War II, uh, Stalin actually exterminated between 7 and, and 30 million Ukrainians by, by what he would do is he would surround an area with the Soviet army, send troops in to pull all of the food out, and that is the Ukrainians that were native in that area starved to death, he would send Russian nationals in to replace them. And that, that was one of the ways that he ended uh, the private farming in the Ukraine and, and, and made more of a collectivist farming system was, was by starving out millions of Ukrainian farmers and replacing them with Russians. So the reason you have Russians living in those areas of Ukraine is because Stalin killed off the Ukrainians and replaced them with Russians, quite literally. And it, obviously Stalin didn't matter, excuse me, Stalin... Obviously, Putin didn't mention that sort of thing in the interview. He was only talking about aspects of Russian history that helped make his case. And, and he was only talking about, it was his perspective of things, I guess, is what I'm saying. And Putin's perspective of things, uh, while certainly understandable from his side, it's not the only side. And he was, was not talking about things that were not beneficial to him. There are two sides to the story. But I think it's important to get Putin's voice out there. And one of the things that came up, and of course we knew this was true before Putin said it, there was almost a peace agreement a year and a half ago. Uh, but after Ukraine essentially agreed to terms with Russia that would have ended the war immediately, Boris Johnson showed up at Ukraine and told Zelensky no. He said, you know, don't sign that, keep fighting. So, so now Zelensky's position is we will fight until the bitter end and we're not sure what that is, and we don't know what victory looks like because obviously we're not invading Russia and, and sending Ukrainian troops to to uh, to Moscow. But he seems to think he's going to fight until Putin is no longer in power. And really, overthrowing the Soviet Union is is the goal here. You know, I guess my point is that the Soviet Union, excuse me, that Russia, not the Soviet Union, that Russia is a nuclear power that they're getting aid from Iran, they're getting aid from China, that they're actually getting stronger from all of our sanctions because uh, they're making arrangements with other countries that are not friendly to us. Uh, they're possibly going to end the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency over this because we decided to weaponize access to the dollar as uh, a means of leveraging Russia to try to get them out of Ukraine. What we need is an off-ramp. We need an off-ramp where Putin can go back and tell his people, mission accomplished, where Zelensky can tell his people, mission accomplished, where everybody can claim victory and, and everybody has an honorable out and, and we're just able to end the war. You know, and that's that's what needs to happen. And, and and Putin, from the interview, it sounds like is very very open to that. You know, who's not open to that is Zelensky, and and who's not open to that is is whoever puts words in in Joe Biden's mouth. And so, you know, that's a problem. Putin is open to the Russians are open to negotiating a peace, and nobody is 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 interested in negotiating with them. Now, I get that that Trump is talking, you know strong words with NATO again, that, you know, if you're not paying your fair share, we won't defend you. And that's probably mostly bluster. It's probably about 90% bluster. But at the same time, you know, there are only some countries in NATO that are paying at least 2% of the GDP toward national defense, and they're all supposed to be spending at least that much. You look at how much we're spending to defend Ukraine versus how little some of these countries are, are paying for national defense, for defense of NATO, for any of this. Ukraine not being a NATO country, I'm not saying they are because they're not. Uh, but 
You know, we, we need our allies in NATO to play their part too. It can't just be the United States will defend us so we'll have free health care. It has to be that we will foot the bill for defense as well. All the countries in NATO have to step up. They've made agreements and they need to step up to it. And, and so, you know, We've got people like Putin that are willing to negotiate with us, and we could probably we could probably at least try to craft peace. But we have all these people in NATO and in the United States that that they're not willing to. Nobody wants to talk peace, and and you know you you, you can't. It takes both sides to structure a peace agreement, and and right now we're not even at the table. And I want to thank Tucker Carlson for having that interview because uh, otherwise we were never going to hear the other side of the story. We'd never have heard Putin say that he is willing to come up with a peace agreement and and he didn't even make any any demands on land to have it so i thought that was was very very positive the other interview that tucker carlson did and this was fascinating because i i learned some things that i did not know i almost hesitate to say the person's name because you know i don't consider myself a conservative political analyst i consider myself a political analyst who happens to be conservative and I haven't always been conservative. I was raised by, I, you know, I'm a Christian conservative, but I was raised by atheist Democrats. And uh, and and so, you know, for, for me, it was an awakening. I, I, I voted for Jimmy Carter in, in, I think, in the sixth grade or fifth grade when they had like a mock election in the school. And, uh, and, and you know, I could get into a long story about how I became a conservative. It's not really necessary to do that here. But the point is that I was convinced to become a conservative, and I'm not a conservative because I was grown up that way and radicalized and, and propagandized or any of this. It was actually the other way around. I was, I was, I was raised to be a liberal Democrat, and, and as I started to look at liberal Democratic orthodoxy versus world reality, I could see that there was a major separation between the two. And, and once you realize you're being lied to, once you have that red pill moment where you you see the propaganda and you see the lies, you know, for me, it happened probably younger than a lot of other people. I was I was relatively young when it happened. But once you know you're being lied to, you can't you, you can't unsee it. So so for me, you know, that's that happened at a relatively young age for other people. It's happening at a later age. But, you know. Anyway, I, I hate to use this name because this guy is, is, is such a terrible reputation at this point. The name's Alex Jones. We all know who he is. We all know why he's been banned by everything, everywhere, social media, non grata. Uh, what I didn't know is that Alex Jones predicted that Osama bin Laden would be blamed for flying airlines into the World Trade Center, taking down the Twin Towers, uh, that he... He made that prediction on July 26, 2001, and said that our government was deeply involved. He was actually telling people, write to the president, call the president, even gave their phone number and said, call the White House and tell them, if this happens, we know you were involved. We know you could have stopped it. We know you had knowledge in advance that it was going to happen. And, and we know that you utilized this in order to stomp out American freedoms in order to create what the Pentagon called a uh, Pearl Harbor event that they could use as a precursor to ending the American experiment of freedom and liberty. Now, how did Alex Jones know that in advance? I didn't know that he knew that in advance, by the way, until I saw the Tucker Carlson interview with him. 
it turns out that Alex Jones was not making that prediction up. No, not by any stretch of the imagination. It turns out that Alex Jones reads Pentagon reports that are out for public consumption, but that other people don't read, uh, that he reads the stuff that the WEF puts out, the World Economic Forum, that he reads things that the UN puts out, that he, he basically reads what all of these people that we might say are pulling the strings on Joe Biden, he reads their reports, he listens to their interviews, he, he, he hears what they say they need to do and why they say they need to do it. And he was able to put together that September 11th was going to happen with a surprising amount of detail on exactly how it was going to happen. He was able to do that about a month and a half before it happened. Now, if he would have said there's going to be a terrorist attack and they're going to blame Osama bin Laden, but I don't know what they're going to attack. It's not what he said. He said that they're going to crash airliners into the World Trade Center. They're going to take the Twin Towers down and that Osama bin Laden is going to be blamed for it. And and, and that our government is, is, whether or not they're actually involved in it happening, they know in advance that it's going to happen and they're not going to do a damn thing to stop it because they need what they're calling a Pearl Harbor event so that they can snatch America freedoms. And then, you know, what was our reaction to September 11th? Well, our reaction to September 11th was, of course, the Patriot Act, where all of a sudden it became legal, for example, to lock American citizens up with no trial, no arraignment, no charges, indefinitely on suspicion of, of being terrorists or aiding and abetting terrorists. Now, that time, of course, we're thinking of Islamic terrorism. But you look at what the FBI is saying today, and... It's not Islamic terrorists that they're afraid of anymore. No, it's parents afraid of what, what their children are being taught at schools that are speaking out at school board meetings. No, it's, it's Republicans that are speaking into microphones about this. It's, it's what they call white supremacists, and they call a white supremacist anybody who dares to disagree with them. And then, and then uh, out of these interviews, you know, we, 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 it turns out that Alex Jones predicted the Ukraine war. Before, before anybody else did. He predicted the Iraq war before anybody else did. The second one, not the one with George Bush, uh, George H.W. Bush, but the one with George Bush. The mask mandates with COVID. As soon as COVID hit, they said, oh, they're going to have mask mandates. And they know masks are ineffective, but they're going to have the mask dates anyway, and or the mask mandates anyway. And, and just, you know, does Alex Jones say some crazy stuff? I'm sure he does. I was never an Alex Jones fan. Uh, I stopped watching. My son thought he was funny for a bit because of the antics. I, I saw one that my son made me watch where he ripped his shirt off and screamed into the into the camera. And, and I thought, you know, this is entertainment value stuff. This, this is not a serious person. And I, I still think some of those antics were silly. Uh, I, I think he did himself a disservice with that. And, and maybe some of the stuff he said really was crazy conspiracy stuff. On the interview with Tucker Carlson, uh, he says that his stuff on Sandy Hook was largely taken out of context. That uh, that it was it was nowhere. I I don't I don't know what he said on, on Sandy Hook. To be honest, I bought the propaganda that he said things on Sandy Hook that were so far beyond the pale. You know, I it, it didn't bother me when they took him off of of YouTube and off of Twitter and off of these these different things. It it didn't bother me. 
uh, and it, I honestly haven't done a lot of research in Alex Jones since. I don't know if I even will. I just know that some of the things I heard in the Tucker Carlson interview with Alex Jones scared the hell out of me. Uh, and and you know, it, it should it should make your your blood run cold when you hear, for example, that the guy predicted September 11th with with a crazy amount of, of accuracy a month and a half before it happened. You know, that's that's it's like wow, you know. And and nobody wants to believe. No, we look at all of the lies we've been told, all the lies related to COVID nineteen, uh, all of the lies related to Russian collusion in the twenty twenty or twenty sixteen election, all of the lies related to to you know the Truth Commission that Joe Biden tried. We we see all of these things, and and you know if you try to find that point where something changed. If you try to find that Reichstag, Reichstag event where, where something changed and, and it looks like we did it or at least took advantage of it because that was the event that we separate uh, the American history from in, in terms of before and after. Now, it's, it's not Joe Biden becoming president in 2020. It's not COVID-19. It's not 2008 with a housing crisis. It's not Barack Obama becoming president of the United States. No, it is September 11th. That was the event, and and I remember at the time I had I had some questions. You know, there's there a moment where a reporter you can go back and find video of this on YouTube, where a reporter was talking about Building Seven having collapsed, and you can see Building Seven over his shoulder. It had not collapsed yet, and yet he was telling us how it collapsed, and and then a few minutes later it did collapse. Well, he knew it was going to collapse beforehand. As a matter of fact, he thought that it already had. And, you know, crazy things like that happen in, 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 in events where, where you know, the, the, the fog of war. Crazy things happen when, when you have that kind of stress and adrenaline and, and, and what have you. But then you also look at, you know, firemen that were running out of the, the Twin Towers before they collapsed, saying that they're wired to be detonated. That happened. And, and I even saw studies after the fact where, where, where scientists took uh, dust, now not dust from, from the actual debris field immediately around the Twin Towers, because that was cordoned off and, and, and very quickly cleaned, not quickly, but cleaned up without, without people being able to take samples, but from, from away from that, because that dust traveled you know, a, a long distance, and, and people were able to get samples of that dust, and they found military-grade thermite in the dust. And we're talking like places like MIT that did studies of that dust that found military-grade thermite. And so you ask yourself, why was there military-grade thermite in the dust? And, and these are things we don't want to talk about. These are things we don't want to think about. We don't want to believe that our government may have been involved in September 11th and may have taken advantage of the events on September 11th in order to radically change the country. We don't want to think about the fact that George W. Bush, a Republican, was president on September 11th, and that it would appear both parties are involved in all of this, this radical revolution to completely transform the United States of America. But ladies and gentlemen, you know you see Alex Jones predicting it a month and a half ahead of time with, with starting clarity. You see all of the lies that have happened since. You see all of the hatred of Donald Trump. And, and you know... I'm not a Trump supporter. I've I've been criticized because I have not been a I, I have not been a Trump supporter. I, I support Trump over Bill Cl over uh, over uh, Joe Biden. I supported Trump over Hillary Clinton. Uh, he's won the primary essentially now. I support Trump 
in the 2024 elections. So I'm not not a Trump supporter, but I'm not, you know, a Trump slappy by any stretch of the imagination. But you look at the hatred and you have to ask yourself why. You have to ask yourself, what is going on? What are they hiding from us? You have to ask yourself, what is the out loud truth? And I may not know, but I know that people like Tucker Carlson are asking the right questions, which is why they're being attacked and ridiculed. And, and I know we have to ask the right questions and try to come up with the answers. And uh, I, I know that, that the most important thing right now is that Donald Trump uh, once again become the president of the United States. Uh, if that doesn't happen, ladies and gentlemen, I think all is lost. And speaking of all being lost, it's unfortunately we're pretty much out of time, so we're going to have to wrap this up. But, ladies and gentlemen, this is a crazy time to be alive. If you've ever wanted to know what the fall of a great nation looks like, what it may have been like to be in Rome at the end, ladies and gentlemen, if we don't write this ship, we've got a front row seat. So, here we are. That's what's going on. This is Cutting Through the Chaos. I am Wallace Garneau, and giving you, as always, the outline loud truth. Ladies and gentlemen, please get involved. Get loud on America Out Loud. We'll see you next week.